inside. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Commit liftoff. Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join us in our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk, and we will be sure to answer those questions just as soon as we are in the studio together again. Well, today is Monday, another weekend down. Doug, how's it going today? Well, again, it's Monday, May 17th, which is, uh, that means we're halfway through May. Yeah. Already going, Mm -hmm. we'll be in June, and before you know it, we'll be back in September. Yeah. Uh, A little sad, because this is the last week of our SWAT meetings before summer break. We break during the summer, and we have a retreat Uh, july 31st and uh if you're listening and you want more information about that retreat you can email me at doug at swatradio.com that's d-o-u-g at swatradio.com or go to the swatradio.com website and just send in a you know contact uh and uh, give me your email and say hey i want more information about that retreat it's really fun taylor you've Done one or two now. One. One. Mm-hmm. What'd you do last year? Did you skydiving. You went skydiving. Yeah. How was that? It was cool. I, yeah. I'd never been before. So too. I don't know that there's many men's retreats that offer skydiving as an activity, <laughs> right? But yeah, we I do. So. We do skydiving. We do shooting. We do golf. We do fishing. We do sailing. And uh, would love to have you join us. That's July 31st. The theme this year is Rock Kazakh, which means, come on, let's see. You remember? Be oh, only be strong and yeah, courageous. Yeah, yeah, be strong. Yeah. Only be strong, and uh, that's our theme this summer. Uh, we've been looking at Acts. Uh, we're going to complete Chapter Seven this week at SWAT. Unbelievably, uh, and uh, we'll. Uh, the theme is all in, and that goes right along with only be strong. Uh, as you look at our world around us, it is falling left and right. Let me encourage you if you're listening today to not bow down to the culture, the culture of wokeness, the culture of politically correctness, whatever that looks like. We we have lost another uh, university, which is really sad to me. Baylor University uh, this week announced that they're going to have an LGBTQ organization on campus, which is... The moment you do that, you recognize that as a legitimate group. And um, the sad part is, is that Baylor was started, obviously, as a Baptist college. It, it's continued to be known as a faith-based college. And, you know, I think I sent you the, the official statement by Baylor. Mm-hmm. You called it a word salad. What does a word salad mean? It was just a bunch of talk a whole lot, with nothing to say. You know, a whole bunch of words and not a lot of depth or meaning to them. Yeah, here's what happens. The moment that you allow an officially recognized charter organization to be part of your system, your university, whatever, 
as much as you try to downplay, and that's what you talked about, the word salad, they were saying we're not ca- caving in on what the Bible says and all this, but if we don't do this, they're going to kill themselves. That's basically what they talked about in there, about mm-hmm. the number of suicides and all that. And that is a talking point for the left a lot of times. Who I say the left. I, I, I really want to backtrack that statement. I don't mean the left. I mean people who support that organization. Um, and, you know, when you look at the Baylor Board of Regents uh, and, you know, the university administration people, they uh, most people are going to say, well, come on, it's not that big a deal. They're not condoning it. They're saying we need to minister to them. And it's real easy to make that step. In fact, a lot of churches started off that way, and they start compromising. Well, let's just let people that are LGBTQ serve in our church. There's nothing wrong with them serving in the church, except if you are practicing, you are practicing in disobedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are going against the commands of God, that God's design for man and woman to be a husband and wife to reproduce the faith community. And so when you do that, and by the way, pretty soon, Taylor, this may be considered hate speech. It, it, it already is in some places, yeah, right? They, depending on who you talk to, yeah, it already is. But, you know, for Baylor to make this, I think five years from now, you won't recognize Baylor anymore as having any really significant Christian underpinnings because they're just going to start going away from them. Uh, the way every other woke and uh, caving, bowing to the culture organization is done. I think there's also going to be pressure from the federal government to, you know, clam up any sort of uh, talk of, you know, religion or anything that would, quote unquote, offend people. So uh, I think that would I think that's part of the move that they made, you know, here was to kind of get ahead of uh, being on the wrong side, if you will, of the federal government or on the bad side of the federal government. And so, yeah, I, I would not. I would imagine that for any uh, university that wants to stick to their Christian uh, roots, it's going to be hard for them. They're going to lose accreditation and things like that. Well, listen, up until 2015, Baylor's student conduct code explicitly identified um, homosexuality as being a sanctioning uh, act. In other words, if you violate that, then you're going to be sanctioned by the university that was considered against the code of conduct. And it was forbidden. But in 2015, they changed it and they removed the specificity of sexual um, homosexual acts. And uh, they, they basically said that Baylor will be guided by the biblical understanding that human sexuality is a gift from God and that physical sexual intimacy is to be expressed in the context of marital fidelity. But in the past, they've had that statement. They changed that now. And I don't really have a problem with that statement, but back then they were already starting to soften a little bit. And now what they're doing is they're actually creating an organization. Now, could you imagine in any stretch of the imagination, okay, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a organization for people who are like pornography. Mm. No. We're going to have an organization for adulterers. No, they would not do that. Yeah, especially if it's 
you know, there would be maybe a help group, right? But not yeah. something to affirm. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. God's word is unambiguous on this subject, but the, the church and other organizations, parachurch and even now universities that are quote faith based are starting to shift. And, um, you know, they, they try to make a statement where, like you said, they do a word salad about loving our LGBTQ plus students. I mean, they don't do that in any other realm. They don't do that in the realm of what about gamblers? We want to have a gambling organization here for all our students that struggle with gambling. No, the reason they're bowing is because our culture demands it. And in our culture, if you don't bow to the culture, they're going to cancel you. Yeah. And Baylor doesn't want to be canceled. And so uh, if if you're listening and you went to Baylor, write them. Tell them you're disappointed. Tell them you're praying that they'll change their minds. Even if you didn't go there, call them and tell them. Say, hey, I'm just a concerned believer. Write them a note. Go to their website. Send them messages. This is It's really sad because Baylor was kind of known as a conservative Christian university now one of the most conservative Christian universities in Texas is Texas A&M. Did no, you know that? No, I did not. Yeah. One of the most conservative Christian universities really in the United States is Texas A&M. Hmm. Uh, another one's uh, Grand Canyon University out in hmm. uh, Arizona. But I- I'll tell you right now, Texas A&M gets my vote, <laughs> you know. Hmm. Um, and I didn't know that about Texas A and M. Is so TCU's kind of along the same lines. Oh as yeah, Baylor? TCU's liberal too. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you know this is not going to change. So we have to decide which side of the fence we're going to be on. You can't straddle the fence. Um, you know. By the way, I don't know if uh, you saw that uh, Facebook is considering Instagram for. Uh, children under the age of 13 did you oh, did you see yeah. that yeah like uh what could go wrong with that al moeller says <laughs> like right? right um but that people you need to understand that uh instagram snapchat um uh, tiktok those are the ways your kids communicate today if you have mm-hmm. teenagers and they're very good they have double triple accounts They're good at hiding information. And as parents, can I remind you that you not only have a biblical responsibility to know what your kids are doing, uh, but you also have biblical authority to ask for your child's phone, if your child has a phone, at any time and ask them to look at it. Ask them to see it, you know, and go through there. And if you if you don't have make the time to do those kind of things, your kids run around without accountability, and kids are not designed to do that. They never have been. God made the family, and the, He made the parents to be able to help the children look at life through a biblical lens. If you're a believer, you know, and so to let your children go without any accountability is heading them toward a cliff. Don't yeah. you agree? I mean, like, yeah, and it's kind of funny that you know parents feel hesitant about that. 
Um, but that is part of your duty and your responsibility is to look after your kids in that way. And, you know, you're the one who's providing everything for them. You shouldn't feel like, yeah, oh, I can't. That's their phone. Well, you pay for it, even if they pay. They have no yeah. privacy to anything you pay for. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Do not fall into that trap. Yep. All right. We are up against the break. We will be back with more after the break. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, A Store and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Look down from a broken sky Chased out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touchdown in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion That is Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, the first segment, we usually talk a little bit about the news and what's going on around the country. And then we start to, uh, that bleeds sometimes over into the second segment. But after that, we start to get into talking about the verse uh, and the verses, excuse me, of the week, what we're going to be talking about. And this week we are talking about Stephen and we are talking about his faithful witness um, and that's verses, uh, chapter 7, verses 18 through 53. Um, so if you are just joining us, that is where we are going to be headed after we finish up with the news. And if you have missed any of our uh, our series, or I guess our, our time in Acts, you can go to www.swatradio.com. Again, that's www.swatradio.com. And you can l- listen to our full catalog of programs by clicking on the past programs link again that's the past programs link at www.swatradio.com hey i did want to point out something that is i mean it's if it wasn't so um awful it would be funny uh but twitter known for its conservatism right mm-hmm. um facetious Suspended a member of Spain's parliament last week after he wrote on so, on Twitter that a man cannot get pregnant. Yeah. Okay, that's insane. Yeah. That's absolutely, uh, that is a debased mind right there. 
to, to, to suspend, which goes to show you, if you're listening and you have any ideas that you want to communicate to people, you are not going to do it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or anything else. As believers, the place where we communicate our ideas is in the marketplace. It is one-on-one. It is where we live, where we breathe, where we work, where we play, where we, we're out in our community. And we've, I think we've gotten away from that, uh, Taylor, in our country. Uh, people want to be able to use social media and use all this. And what we're seeing now is uh, just try go on Twitter and try to put that you believe that uh, a biblical marriage is the best form of marriage. That's what God ordained. That's what we should be shooting for, a man married to a woman a biological man married to a biological woman to raise a family and see what happens on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, wherever. Put it on all of them. Put that a man can't get pregnant. See what happens. You know, I mean, put that women are supposed to have babies. Only women can have babies. Any of those things, you're going to be shut down. You're going to be shouted down and you're going to be canceled. And so as believers, again, this is a time for us to be bold. It's a time for us to not shrink back, not bow to our culture. That's why I loved having Owen Strand on last week, Dr. Strand, who he's doing this conference um, called Woke in the Gospel out at Denton Bible Church in June, June 11th and 12th. You can go to DentonBibleChurch.org. That's DentonBibleChurch.org and get more information. You can register for it. Uh, but, um, we we have reached a point in our culture, a tipping point you and I've talked about many times where I don't know that we're going to recover because these big companies have such power to just silence people, whether it's about masks, whether it's about vaccines, whether it's about biology. Uh, it, it would be interesting that if you put a man can get pregnant on there, I, I bet they wouldn't strip that away <laughs> because that supports the narrative. And so as believers, just be aware, we live in a hostile environment. Now, this is no longer friendly to the gospel. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean we can't share it. It just means we're in a hostile environment. Biblical truth and the biblical gospel is going to get you canceled places. And so you better just prepare yourself and ask yourself the question, am I prepared to do whatever it takes, wherever God wants me to, whenever he wants me to? That's what it means to be all in. And really, that's the whole theme of Acts. We see a whole and, – and if you think it was it's bad here, think back to Rome. I mean, in Rome, anybody, any soldier could come up to you and say, hey, carry my bags. Or, or, or he could just say, give me money. What, what money do you have? And you had no recourse and and we grow up with rights, and that's this culture Stephen grew up in, or at least he was outside, but he still was very aware Rome ruled the world at that time. And so we're in Acts chapter 7. Specifically, this week, we are looking at verses 18 through 53. And as we look at uh, verses 18 through 53, we're kind of looking at the continuation of Stephen's defense. It started in verses 1 through 17. And we saw last week uh, how Stephen defended 
his faith uh, in the Sanhedrin. He was basically on trial for four charges, blasphemy against God, blasphemy against Moses, blasphemy against the temple, and blasphemy against the law. And blasphemy simply means to disregard or to speak falsely about. I mean, that's when you blaspheme, you lie against the God. You, you, you don't acknowledge what God says is. And so when you blaspheme God, it means that, you know, that, that would be like worshiping an idol. You know, you're, you're saying that this idol is the one that can give you something. That's blasphemous to God. To blaspheme Moses would be to disregard what Moses said is important and to talk bad about Moses. And that, that was the charges against him. And remember, we looked at the week before last at Stephen and the kind of character he had, the kind of man he was. He was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom and grace, full of power, courage, and God's presence. Not because he trained to do those things, but because he had the Holy Spirit in him. And we seem to think today, well, and listen, there's nothing wrong with training. There's nothing wrong with going through NAV 27 or any other discipleship training. Training is good, but we can never think that no amount of training that we could ever get can substitute for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only power we have when we go against the kingdom of darkness. And remember, our theme verse at SWAT is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not of this world. And so we have to remember that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the words. Remember back in Luke, Jesus told his disciples, when you go before these leaders, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. And so uh, last week, just as a reminder, uh, Stephen was brought up on charges in front of the Sanhedrin, which was made up of 70 leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, and they judged if people violated God's law. And the penalty could range from a lashing, you know, uh, being beaten, or death. And so Stephen went up before them, knowing the same Sanhedrin had crucified Jesus, ordered him to be crucified. The same Sanhedrin had uh, arrested the apostles twice and beaten them the second time and told them to stop speaking. And now Stephen is brought up on these false charges in front of him. And we see in this God calling us to defend the faith. In other words, what we really believe by, first of all, being a bold witness. And we saw him start off by telling the story of Abraham and boldly telling them what the Old Testament scriptures said about the father of their faith the one where it was by grace. Abraham didn't come to some realization that God was who he was. God called him out of pagan idolatry in Mesopotamia and said, follow me. And he says, fathers, he, 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 he talks to the Sanhedrin with terms of respect, but he says, our father, Abraham, you know, and he talks about our covenant. He talks about our God. And he uses these terms of linking himself with the Sanhedrin. And he's a bold witness to them in verses 1 through 7. He focused in on the fact that Abraham never even received the possession of the promise. It was just the promise that he held on to. And I think for a lot of Christians, we hold on to a possession. We want 
to tangibly have something. And if that doesn't happen, then we dismiss God. And so he's just saying, no, um, we, we have a faith in the one true living God. And he was a witness to that, but he was also a biblical witness. He lays out the, the story of God calling man to himself and, and the sovereignty of God in that story by Joseph's story. And we see in Joseph a, a foreshadowing of Christ. Joseph was revealed, he was rejected, and then he became a redeemer. And the other thing about him that I didn't think about till this past week was he's a ruler too. Mm. He was a ruler. So he was revealed, he was rejected, he was a redeemer and ruler. And for most Christians in our country, we want the redeemer. We don't want the ruler. And Joseph, he lays out God's sovereignty and how Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. But then he was raised up by God and and his brothers came to him to be saved from the famine. And he ended up not only redeeming them, he ruled them because he was second in command. They bowed before him, just like in his dream. And so that's what we saw last week. And this week, we're going to jump into verses 18 through 53. We're going to take it in sections. And we're going to look at Stephen this week being a faithful witness. And we're going to look at it. Last week, he defended himself against the blasphemy against God. This week, we're going to see today his how he defended himself against blasphemy against Moses, Tomorrow, how he defended himself against blasphemy against the law, and then Wednesday, how he blasphemed, how he defended himself against blasphemy against the temple. What was the significance of Moses? What was the significance of the law and of the temple? They all had a place in God's plan, but it wasn't what the Jewish people gave it. They gave it much more than it was supposed to be. They overemphasized their significance. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So I hope people uh, will stay tuned. All right. We are up against the news break. We will be back with more after the news. But before we go, I'd like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER. And all of you who are listening online, wherever you are listening around the country or the world. And we'd like to give a another thank you, another shout out to our local listeners listening here at 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. We'd also like to let you know that you can download our SWAT app in the App Store, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We will be back with more after the news. Austin French with Freedom Hymn. If you are just joining us, 
We are looking at Acts chapter 7, verses 18 through 53 this week, continuing to look at uh, Stephen, and in particular in these last few weeks we've been looking at his defense of himself against um, crimes of blasphemy by the Sanhedrin. So that is where we're at, and that's where we're going to continue. We're going to pick up there. We're going to start with um, Stephen honoring Moses today. Tomorrow we're going to get into how he honored the law or how he defended himself against blaspheme uh, on the law. And then uh, on Wednesday we are going to look at how he defended himself uh, from the blaspheme of the temple charge. Yeah, and you got to remember, this this particular message by Stephen in chapter 7 of Acts is one of the most concise but powerful presentations of Christ from the Old Testament that there is in Scripture. He goes through, and like I said when I was uh, sharing about Joseph, Joseph was rejected by those he was told he was going to save. And then he was, well, first he was revealed, then he was rejected, and then he redeemed them and he ruled over them. And guess what? We're going to see the same thing in Moses. Moses was revealed. Remember when he revealed himself, he thought that they would accept him as his deliverer. Why? Because he had been miraculously rescued as a child, we're going to hear. And he was adopted by Pharaoh's family, one of the most powerful families on earth at that time. And so he thought that he would go and communicate to them that he was going to be a deliverer for them. But they rejected him. And then he ran into the wilderness for 40 years. He comes back and he what? He redeems them and he rules over them. So same thing. He's revealed, rejected, and redeemed and then ruled. And both those guys are precursors or foreshadowing of Jesus. When Jesus came, he was revealed, right? Mm -hmm. And he was rejected. But then when he came back, he redeemed people. And the church is the result of that redemption. And he rules over us. But sometimes we stop short with the ruling. We don't like him ruling over us. We uh, especially in the West, don't even understand what it means to have a king. And so um, as we look at the text today, I hope that uh, one, one of the things that's interesting about the Middle East, when you try to communicate a truth to somebody in the Middle East, if they've done something offensive or if there's something wrong that they've done, you don't just go up to them and directly accuse them or directly talk to them about it. You tell them a story. King David did that with Nathan, you know, or Nathan did that mm-hmm. with King David. And so here in this text, Stephen is not starting off with you're guilty. You did this. He starts off by telling them their story and his story, how God redeemed these people and uh, God redeemed them and brought them from Abraham through the time of Moses, through the time of David and Solomon. We're going to see all that. And uh, today we're in the passage, verses 18 through 53 in chapter 7, where um, he talks about Moses. And actually, if you, I, I'm just going to take it, Taylor, a few verses at a time, and we'll deal with some stuff here. Remember, the charge was that he blasphemed Moses. And it, it says um, back in chapter 6, Verse 11, 
And they secretly instigated men who said, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And so listen to what it says in chapter 7, verse 17. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. Now, how in the world would you not know the guy that was responsible for saving your country? That would be like for us in this day and age, um, not knowing who George Washington is. Wait a minute. That's what they're trying to do right now, aren't they? Mm. People are trying to take our history away. Mm -hmm. People are trying to rewrite history and say we shouldn't know who these people are. We shouldn't celebrate them because they're flawed men. We're all flawed. We all have issues, but when you rewrite history or you take away history, you you dismiss it and don't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. And so you've you've got a guy here, Joseph, who was a very wise and discerning man. And why was he dismissed? What was it about Joseph that they didn't like? Well, guess what? It was his ethnic background. They did that. Egyptians thought they were better and they were afraid actually of the Israelite people. The Hebrews were growing in number and people got really upset. And so he, this King didn't know, which meant they usually had to rewrite it out because they would record significant events and a seven year famine where the people were, Uh, preserved through that would have been something worth preserving. But apparently that was taken away. Uh, Verse 19, it's talking about this Pharaoh. It says, he dealt shrewdly with our race. Again, he's identifying with these leaders. And he forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. Genocide. This Pharaoh began killing all the Israelite babies. And at this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. This does not mean he was a pretty baby. It Mm -hmm. meant he had a favor in God's sight. He had a unique calling from God, and God had a purpose for him. And it says, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians And he was mighty in his words and deeds, words and deeds. So does that sound like a man blaspheming Moses? That sounds like to me, like a man talking about how awesome Moses was, how God sovereignly protected Moses. Moses was God's sovereign deliverer and peacemaker. And he's saying the new covenant is not against Moses. I mean, it's, 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 not against God. He said that last week. He's saying, no, this is part of God's plan. Moses was a faithful servant to the one true living God. But notice what happens in verse 23. It says, when Moses, when he, talking about Moses, was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. So Moses is still identifying with Israel. Mm-hmm. He knows that's his people. Why? Because guess who was teaching him when she was nursing him? His mom. Yeah. 
But again, God's sovereignty. And verse 24, And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man, and he avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Now, Moses defended the oppressed man. Does that sound like anybody you know who defends the oppressed? Isn't that what Jesus came to do? And he struck down the Egyptian. If you go back to what was said in Genesis 15, 13, God said that he would enslave his the people and inflict, afflict them for 400 years, but I will judge the nation that they serve, said God. And look, Moses is just going into the process. He's going in. He's saying, this guy is oppressing this brother. So I'm going to go in and rescue him. And he killed the Egyptian. If you go back to Exodus, he hid the body in sand. And so what does it say here? It says, but on the following day, he appeared to them, <coughs> excuse me, talking about his brother, brothers, as they were quarreling, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? What's he doing there? he's i mean he's inserting himself as a leader and trying to mediate between the two of them yeah he's being a peacemaker isn't Mm -hmm. he isn't that what jesus does yeah isn't that what his leaders do yeah and he's trying to be a peacemaker and you would think that they would say man this is guy somebody from pharaoh's house there would be a little bit of awe there that one that this guy would come down and speak to him a little bit respect for authority. There was no respect there. Do you know what happened to a slave that put his hand on a member of the royal family? He'd die. Yeah. But look at what happened. It said, but the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Why could he do that? Because he knew his dirty little secret, right? He said, do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Moses had a little secret. This guy knew it. He knew he had power over Moses, didn't he? And why did he have power? Because Moses trusted in himself at this point more than he did God, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And here's what happened. Do you know how many years God said they would be in uh, Egypt enslaved? 400. This was at 390. How many years did they end up serving? 430. Yeah. Sometimes when we take matters into our own hands, it doesn't work out too well, and it ends up prolonging things that God's trying to teach us or His he's doing. And so Moses asserted himself 10 years early, right? Mm. Because what did God say in his word? 400 years. So he's at 390. The timing wasn't right. You ever try to do something outside of God's timing? Mm. Doesn't work out too well, does it? Nope. Doesn't work out. And Moses fled. And listen what it says, verse 30. When 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. 
And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God was there. And he said, Okay, Moses, now's the time when I tell you to go. And when we come back, we're going to look at how Moses responded to what God said and what happened. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. That is Need to Breathe with Brother. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are continuing our look at Acts and specifically uh, our few weeks long look at Stephen this week. We are looking at verses 18 through 53. Today we're focusing on verses 18 through 37. If you have any questions or would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. Again, that's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, you know, we, we right before the break, we were at the place where Moses is in front of the burning bush. He had taken off his sandals because God said, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. This is what God says after that. He says, I have surely seen the affliction. This is verse 34. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. Now, I'm encouraged by that, that if you're God's person out there, he sees when you're afflicted. He hears your groaning. He's your father. We don't always think he does. If, if you're struggling with that, maybe you want, you might want to go meditate on Psalm 73 because it's not an isolated thing for you to struggle with that. A lot of times we can struggle with whether God hears our prayer, whether he knows we're really struggling or why he would allow it. And people say all the time, well, my God's a loving God. He wouldn't allow me to suffer like this. Well, what do you think he did with his son on the cross? Mm. What did he allow his own son to go through so that people could be redeemed 
You see, so often we look at our life through the lens of our benefits and our cost, our sacrifices, you know. And when I uh, think about Moses here, I'm thinking about what happened with Moses. Remember, Moses stepped in 10 years too early. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. God said, you're going to be in captivity 400 years. But at year 390, he steps in to deliver his brothers. Well, whether he intended to make it that moment or not, he certainly revealed that he was a deliverer at that moment. Yeah. And it doesn't appear like God wanted him to do that at that moment, but he did for whatever he allowed it. Right. And so uh, Moses went and went out in the desert and then he goes in front of the burning bush. God calls him and God says this verse 34 again. He says, I've come down to deliver them. I've heard their groaning and come to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. He's going to send him. Verse 35, this Moses whom they rejected saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both a ruler and a redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Bush. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. That prophecy was back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Moses foretold about Jesus of Nazareth back then. Peter referenced it in Acts chapter 3. And here's the thing, just like Joseph, Moses was rejected. But when he comes back for the second time, he delivers the people. But by rejecting Moses, the people reject God. So Stephen was the one actually honoring Moses because he believed in the one Moses foretold about, Jesus of Nazareth. And what he's saying is Israel, our fathers, rejected Moses. Israel is the real blasphemer, not me. Israel is the one. They have a history of rejecting God's people. And by rejecting God's people, they reject God. They blaspheme God. They blaspheme Moses by not listening to him, not obeying him, not honoring him. And so, once again, we see how God's servant was revealed, then rejected, and then came back as a ruler and redeemer. And I I just think it's interesting that he didn't just say he was sent both as a redeemer and a savior or just a redeemer. He said he was sent as a ruler and redeemer. Mm. And I'm just, you know, Taylor, looking at our culture, I mean, I've listened to lots of gospel presentations in my life. Very few of them talk about him being the ruler, the king, the one who's over me. It's all about what he does for me, not what he is to me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I can relate to that. I think that's something that, uh, at least coming from the pulpit, you don't hear too much of, or I haven't uh, personally you know, heard that too often, uh, talking about, Christ as ruler 
um, you know, fortunately, I heard that a lot from uh, my dad growing up. But, yeah. Uh, you know, as far as through the pulpit and stuff like that. Yeah, you, it's not something that's focused on very much. Well, now, I, I use the Marine Corps a lot as, as analogies because I was in the Marines. And I know you wanted to get in the Marine Corps at one time. Could you ever imagine getting into the Marine Corps and telling them you wanted to be in the Marine Corps, but they weren't going to tell you what to do? <laughs> no. Why do you laugh? I mean, seriously, you laugh because they there's an expectation there, right? Yeah. When you go in, you understand you are coming in to their service to be used however they see fit. Mm-hmm. But we, we don't approach Jesus like that. We approach Jesus like what he does for me, not who he is, not what he's called us to do, not what he's called us to be. And when we come into his family, we come into his family with him as our king. He's a ruler and our redeemer. And I just think that, man, what a change that might make for people if they really embraced him as both ruler and redeemer. Uh, Because I just frankly don't know that we get that here in this culture. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the Marines. I think what uh, really attracts people is that's a sense of identity, right? I am a Marine, and you are a Marine. Like, I will be a Marine, that that idea. And so people who go in to do that, they don't go and say, I'm going to do whatever I want. They go, I want to be a Marine. Show me how to be a Marine. I think that we as Christians, we have to have that same, you know, I am a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is how a Christian lives. And and particularly for men realizing, you know, this is a spiritual battlefield that you have to have that type of intensity about being a Christian um, in your everyday life. You have to have the same type of intensity as someone who's, you know, searching to add a Marine as their identity, you know. Well, we follow him, right? We say, I want to follow him. And he says, no one can follow me unless you what? Deny yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Take up your cross and follow me. And, you know, we, we, we're going to see that later in the week as we look on Wednesday at what, what it really means to be all in. And it means that you understand that when, I mean, Stephen got it. I mean, here Stephen is three weeks in the Lord, and he's brought before the greatest body of of religious scholars on earth at that time, at least in their culture, uh, for sure. And they, uh, that group had the ability to take his life. And yet he's sitting there teaching them about the history of the Torah. I mean, of what God, God's word to us about his son. And he believed he actually honored Moses. He didn't blaspheme him. Because Moses foretold about Jesus. He said, God's going to raise up from you a prophet like me from your brothers. And he got it. And the people didn't. And all he's doing is he keeps going back to him and saying, listen, you accuse me of this, but really you're the ones guilty of it. Does that sound familiar too? Do Do you know other people in our culture that may project you know, what people do is they project a lot of times mm-hmm. the very things they're guilty of. And and I really believe that's what's going on here. These people are accusing Stephen of the very things that they did. And Stephen is just telling them from the Bible, 
and he's telling them about God unfolding his plan using Joseph first, or actually started with Abraham, then Joseph, and now Moses. And uh, they're getting sucked in. Remember, his goal was to get them to listen. They're still letting him talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we're going to talk about it later, but how, he, like, you know, you're talking about him not having fear to go up to talk to the, talk to the Sanhedrin. Uh, you know, he speaks with boldness, but then at the end, he's like, you know, like hits him with the whip. You know, it's pretty indicting, and obviously we're, we're not there yet, but it, it's uh, it's interesting that the speech doesn't last much longer than that. You know? Oh, no, yeah. no. Once he, once that, once he, well, look, you you know, in this particular chapter, um, it's, it's, it's 50 verses of the history and only three verses of the indictment. Yeah. I mean, like he, he didn't, I mean, he spent the majority of time laying out the groundwork and telling the story. And remember, as he's telling the story that they're, they're wondering where they are in the story. You know, that's why we like movies, mm-hmm. right? We, we, when we go watch a movie, you go and, and I always used to ask my kids, who was your favorite character and why? Because you you typically want to be your favorite character, right? Yeah. You picture yourself in the story. Mm-hmm. That's a very Eastern thing, too. When they hear a story, they're picturing who, where they are in the story. And I guarantee you they're not picturing themselves as Moses. They're not picturing themselves as Joseph. They're the other people in this story. And they're getting enraged and it's building to a crescendo, and then he, we're going to see next week. You know that he's going. It's you. You're right. the ones who've done all this. Yeah. All right. That is all the time we have for today. Make sure you tune in for, throughout the rest rest of the week. Excuse me to hear Stephen's conclusion. You have been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual